When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. beef between a player that doesn't even play anymore and a guy who's traded all kinds of stuff and a guy who probably shouldn't play anymore either on the other end of it hey welcome to the phly sixers podcast on a tuesday alongside Derek bodner kyle newbeck i'm devon givens brianna as always producing the show all of you in the chat gavin jump right in carry me to the end of the workday fellas gavin we got you no worries, because we're excited to talk about the Sixers in the final 28 games of the season as we uh, get ready to come back for the second half of the season. A lot of questions, and I mean a lot of questions, as we get ready to walk into the start of the season. Hey, wait. Second half. First of, of all, What's I up? see Parth in the chat. Parth. Who called out Devon by name, became a <laughs> diehard. Shout out to Parth. Shout out Parth. Joined the Discord and said, where is Devon? And that's a great question. Where is Devon? Is Devon ever going to join the Discord? Parth, I'm right here. (laughs) I am right here. I have not joined the Discord yet. I was talking to the guys about it before we walked in here. I'll get it done after the show. You said that five days in a row. I don't want to hear it. Parth, I will make sure that it happens. He'll make sure it happens. And everybody else. I'm I'm doing this for the team. I don't fold under peer pressure, so that's not it. I'm doing this for the team, but Par, thank you for joining and let everybody else know that they should do the same thing and uh, see a surprise when I step in there. So bring everybody in, Parth, because it's going to be fun. But look, it's we, disgraceful. Oh, cut, cut it out. <laughs> We're going to have out. a Derek and Kyle versus Devon <laughs> beef on the podcast. Not like JJ and Pat. I'll tell you that much. We'll get to those guys a little bit later. And, and of course, just talk about so many things here as the start of the season. I, we know that many of you are super excited about the second half because there are a lot of questions. We're going to learn a lot about this basketball team with no Joel Embiid and still the questions of when are these other players that have missed games due to injury going to be back on the floor. Hopefully they will be back by Thursday, if not Friday, when we're at the arena for our uh, takeover at the arena. We'll tell you about that in a little bit. But there are a lot of questions. And Kyle, there are a number of questions that we as a, as a trio went through before we got started. 
And uh, man, they have a lot, a ton of things that we will be yeah, looking number one, at going Will forward. Devon ever join the Discord? I will. That's easy. <laughs> That's an easy one. Yes, because all I have to do is sign up. But where, where do we start? Should we start with the the uh, third technical third star of this team, and that is that's being generous with the star but yes sure. the third third guy and that third, will be tobias harris the third amigo however you want to frame it yeah so, so the third amigo being tobias harris the up and down nature that we know of his entire sixers career but definitely this season where we've seen up down up again and down again some of that being he playing with the flu or whatever he had and rightfully so two different illnesses from what yeah. we were told by the team right so dealing with that no way he can really keep that up it was impressive for him to get to 28 in Utah the way that he did and then miss the next game because he was still sick. That being said, Kyle, in order for this to happen, 28 games, staying in the top six, which we'll talk to talk about later, they need him to be the Tobias Harris that we speak about uh, where we're looking at him as a 20-point-per-game scorer and being a focal point as the of the offense. Well, and so here's what you and I, well, all of us were discussing at points during the last week as we prepared to do this. They need that guy, but I think when you've seen how things have gone for the Sixers without Tobias Harris, how they've played, how the offense has flowed, flow is a word that Tobias loves to use at any given time. Are we down again? Are we having internet issues around here? I got it, yep. You too. <laughs> Devon, the... Uh, Devon's going to have to get in there and just uh, be our server guy. I know Derek doesn't want to do that. That's his former job. Tell the, tell our people to hit refresh is I what mean, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so once you guys come back and you're ready to talk about this, Tobias needs to step up while also kind of blending into what they're already doing without him. And therein lies the problem. Tobias is not a blend in guy. He's a, I get to my spots. I do what I do. You throw me the ball. I'm going to be that multifaceted scorer, the mid-post guy, the mid-range scorer. He loves to say the the assassin or whatever. Yeah. Picks tell, on. Tell everybody about me. Remember <laughs> when he said that? <laughs> and then he immediately stopped shooting threes yeah. and making them in a, a high clip. Yep. Regardless, the thing that jumped out when he sat out and they had this banged-up lineup and you bring Buddy Heald in, who Buddy Heald is just a you know up-tempo, fast pace, quick decisions type of player, whether that's shooting, whether that's taking a guy off the dribble, or just swinging the ball, getting it to a teammate who's open. Tobias is not that guy, and he needs to come back and understand that without Joel Embiid, that's how this team has to play. There is nobody, and this is not disrespecting Tobias, who's a... Uh, even if he's overpaid, a very good, very talented player. He needs to understand that nobody is Joel Embiid on this roster, mm -hmm. and there is no reason to play slow it down, ISO, mid-post nonsense when you can get better shots and play better offense by not doing that. The, the one thing as you talk about him being a scorer and what he thinks, I've always said this, and I think it's fair to say this because, look, we're not in the NBA. We talk about it. We see him – he can average 20 in this league. He has. He's a professional scorer. We just, they're, they're the tiers of the professional scorer that we talk about uh, in the NBA. When you look at Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant and so many of the players that are true professional scorers to that level, right? 
where they are those guys that are just they're killers. Tobias Harris is a very good scorer in this league. And don't ever let him fool you in believing that he doesn't want the same shots as Joel Embiid or or Tyrese Maxey because he absolutely believes that he is on that level. The problem is his blending, he allows himself to be taken out of what they do or the flow of the offense. There are times where we've talked about it before where there were people yelling at me when I first got back saying, you don't ever want Tobias Harris taking the ball out of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey's hands. Sometimes you do. If he has it going and he is rolling in that way, it's a bonus to have a third guy playing at that level where you know the other two are going to get theirs. You need him in that position to feel the exact same way of getting his. And we've seen him do that. During that stretch, again, for the two weeks where he dropped 33 and 28, we always, I always run the numbers off, 25 and 27, 23 that he was having, and they were playing well. Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey were giving Tyre- Tobias Harris the ball because he was rolling at that time. And that was the assassin that we, he told us about last season. That's the guy that needs to come back. And the one thing that you mentioned now, having Buddy Heal, having a chance to show everybody what he looks like, minus Embiid and minus Harris as that second scorer to Tyrese Maxey, that looked damn good because he was aggressive. He was looking for his. He wasn't afraid to go to the basket. He wasn't indecisive with his decision-making as a playmaker or as a shooter or scorer. And that's what you want from that other player, whether it's Tobias Harris or Buddy Hill. So if he doesn't shape up and shape up fast, that can be taken away from him very quickly if and when Joel Embiid does, in fact, get back into the lineup. And then he's going to have a problem where he's back to being that fourth scorer or that fourth option where he certainly feels like he's much better than that. Uh, well, I have, I'm questioning whether this is going to be seen by anyone ever based on our... Uh comments in the chat and our current internet issues and derek is in full network engineer <laughs> mode over there i don't think he's looked up Two from his computer <laughs> all right to be fair over the, the last couple, 10 minutes the first couple of minutes i was looking down on my computer because i was generating a wanted poster for and Devon it was on, on so you broke the internet it's your fault <laughs> i'm blaming the last you five minutes has been looking into yes the stream but um I guess my question is, what even is Tobias Harris's ideal role at this point? Like, he's not going to be a third highest, like when everyone's healthy, he's not going to be a third highest usage player. That's going to be Buddy, right? I assume that's going to be Buddy. In part because I think they need his shooting and that'll open things up for Joe and Maxi. And in part because Buddy that's just has a good question. I hadn't thought about that because, you know, we have looked at Buddy as like, oh, his usage is high because everyone's out. But also he was their big acquisition. I think his and usage is going to end up Offensively, he deserves to have a lot fits, of... Yeah. yeah. I think it, like JJ, people would be like, oh, they're using JJ too much. Well, no, JJ's skill set fit perfectly. Yes. So I think there's going to be a little bit of that with Buddy. I think you could see like a 15% usage rate Tobias Harris in the playoffs. And that's in part because Tobias Harris hasn't necessarily rose up and met the moment in the playoffs, and in part because his skill set should be the fourth option when everyone is healthy. Um, Yeah, look, to me, what I need from Tobias is over the next couple of weeks to steal some wins. We've been talking about it a lot. They need to get that 14 number, 12 left. They need to reel off a couple of wins here over these next, what do you say, 8 and 15 is the bare minimum they need to get to give themselves a chance uh, to stay in the top six, 8 and 15 over the next 23. Certainly doable, even in a tough schedule, but they need more from Tobias. They need him to be aggressive. They need him to be playing well. And he's certainly capable of having a three-week stretch where he looks really, really good, but they need it to line up right now. 
Well, we have Jonathan Chen with a super chat who says, <laughs> I'm donating to the fix the live stream fund. <laughs> this is I like anybody who listens to this later, audio only is going to be like, what are these bozos talking about? So we have to be cognizant of that. But so uh, we'll be there. But thank you to Jonathan for that. Yeah, I just. The problem with Tobias is the same problem that he's always had is. He, if you optimize the team around Tobias or say, hey, we're going to give it to Tobias constantly, you let him operate from the mid post, he can be an efficient, if high usage player. And that'll help you out in situations where you're down guys, you're in a pinch saying, hey, we don't have a true star tonight, or maybe we have someone who's younger and developing as the, the main guy. So sort of like a Tyrese Maxey, but I think Maxey is above sure. that that spot at this point. That's where Tobias has value. Like that Clippers team that the Sixers acquired him from when it's him and Gallinari and Lou Williams, where there's no real alpha dog, but he can step up. That's a good spot for him. They have enough talent on this team to go out and win. I think we'd all sit here mm-hmm. and agree on that. They should be playing a, a free-flowing, ball-moving, spread-the-floor offense right like we sit here now and i know it's just one guy but if they're all healthy the addition of buddy healed has made it so they have a ton of shooting right between maxi buddy melton batum tobias when he feels like he can shoot kelly when he's having a good night i know kelly the numbers are mediocre but he's at least he's a willing shooter there are a lot of guys on this team who will get shots up and hit them at at least a decent clip. Maybe not a great clip, but at a decent clip. So if he buys into the role we've always wanted him to play mm-hmm. as as fans, as media, as just people who observe the game, then they they can turn this into a great offense with all kinds of outs, with constant floor spacing, with driving lanes for guys who attack closeouts. But He's a big piece of that puzzle, and he's got to come back and understand this is not the Tobias Harris show, even though they still need him to do a lot. It's a very thin line that he's got to walk, but that's why you make $40 million to to walk that exact line. And the Tobias Harris show for right now is important because once we get to the postseason and we talk about what they could potentially do there also – we look at him and we say, what's the best version of that Tobias Harris as a fourth option? You, you could argue that it was sometime during the Jimmy Butler year where he might have been the fifth, but he had his moments. The year after where Ben Simmons was here and J.J. Redick was still here for one more season. He, he could still do that. Or the third when Seth Curry was here. There's still so much that he can add to this team, this group, to make sure that this thing works. Just has to go out there and play his game of basketball, play his brand of basketball and fit in. The thing about it, there will be nights where he will go off for that 20, 22, 25, whatever it might be, and erupt where it's going to be so much easier for him and therefore make it easier for the rest of his teammates in order for this team, as you said, to be as good as we think that they can be once they have things going. And that's, that's all up to him of what his role could be. Right now is not the time to be worried about what the money is going to bring because – Look, dude, you hit the jackpot when you got that buck 80 
because you weren't you weren't getting that buck eighty anywhere else. It just you just weren't getting that. No, you know. So he was going to get a good contract. Like yes, he, he had was. A, he had a great season. Yes, he was he young did. enough that yep. people were saying, "Hey, he can grow into a bigger sure. role." Like he had definitely proven himself, but not he a max was not contract. One hundred eighty million. No, he was not. Else. So at at this point, they already know who you are. They might still take a swing and say, "Yeah, he's thirty one years old. He can still go out there and, and do this." But that guy is instrumental to whatever happens for the rest of the season and their their success that is right in front of them is a lot of that is up to him is he going to sit there and just take the back seat to buddy hill or is he going to insert himself and say i'm just going to be the best version of myself that i can be to help this franchise win he always talks about the stuff that you brought up earlier about the sharing in the back he always says the right thing and then we watch case in point the washington game where Ricky Council is taking his minutes at the end of the game because he had no business being on the floor with the rest of that group because he was being outplayed by the rest of the group at that time. And that's where that's where you see the bad part of, of what he is having out there on, on the floor. So they need him to be the best version. And again, we can't have the he's not getting enough touches. He's not involved more. The ball is not sticking when Joel Embiid is not in the game. You know when the ball sticks? When it comes to him. And deserves to. Like, that's the whole thing, right? right like, right. When, when you're the NBA's leading scorer, when you're efficient as he is, when you get to the free throw, free throw line I like think he so. is. You think so. When he generates doubles and creates open shots for other guys. Like, that's the thing. Tobias can score and get his own relatively efficiently if you're just throwing him the ball, asking him, hey, go out there, be a volume scorer, whatever. But he doesn't have the the gravity, he doesn't have the respect of the other defenses where he's drawing other people and consistently creating good shots for other people. And that's the important distinction. Well, we hope to see Tobias Harris back on the floor to get this thing rolling for the second half of the season against New York. That's on Thursday. And for you to be in the building, you're like, oh, when does the season come back? I'm missing basketball, no games until Thursday. Well, you should be in the building. And the way to do that is to check in with our friends at game time and buying tickets to your favorite events again shouldn't be stressful not stressful for me because i use game time game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports music comedy and theater near you again i was talking recently about a concert that i wanted to see in the summer and while i am planning in advance you don't always have to but for these particular ones i want to jump in there get on them early and you know where i went Went right to game time with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Flash deals, last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Baseball is going to be back next month towards the end. You want to be at the ballpark in March bring a jacket, but you want to be there uh, at the ballpark. Images of the seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and, of course, job loss protection, et cetera. So uh, get images of the seats because you want to make sure where you're sitting and you're not surprised by it. Game Time is the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason, buying tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're all set. All set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone 
telling you people I've had it done sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email and worry about Wi-Fi and all that stuff and loading at that time. <laughs> We're Perfect. definitely worrying about Perfect Wi-Fi today. For right now, tickets make great gifts for holidays and birthdays as well. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We also want to make sure we tell you about a new sponsor, Empire Today. Uh, with Empire Today, you get to shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a price match guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats. But they can't beat Empire Today on quality, service, or speed, so they advertise low-quality products that Empire Today simply won't carry. Empire Today won't promise you the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. Empire Today keeps shopping for floors with keeps shopping simple for floors with curated product selection. Their philosophy is to help you find out what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire, Empire Today's team uh, exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find perfect styles. Their virtual floor designer is a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy, just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday. It's sort of like our podcasting. Flooring is all Empire Today does. They live and breathe flooring, so you can be confident you're getting honest, upfront advice. They also service their own warranties. With Empire Today, you won't have to track down a manufacturer's phone number. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive $350 off discount when they use the promo code PHLY. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash PHLY for details. All right. All right well, back to network engineering. Welcome back. And <laughs> now Derek will just stare at his computer for the rest of the show while Devon and I talk this. about basketball. We got this. Don't worry about it. Uh, one of the, the next things is we talk about the Tobias Harris piece. Uh, the question, the big question that a lot of people have, of course, is when and if Joel Embiid will return to the lineup. And that's, a, that's the biggest question. That's the main question, not only here in Philadelphia, but as much as people like to down the Sixers and dislike Joel Embiid and all. God, you mentioned how someone said that they, it just hasn't been fun anymore or whatever with Joel Embiid. And you're like, yeah, because the guy has not been there to tick off a lot of people and help the Sixers get wins. That's how important he is, not only to the Sixers, but also to the league. Yeah, so the Joel question is, that's probably the hardest one to answer out of all of these, right? It's... We don't know. It's all about how his knee responds. And as we've seen in the past, Joel's willing to play through pain and, and even full-on full injuries, right? Like he's come back while injured in the playoffs. But the whole point of getting the surgery is so you avoid that outcome to a degree. And so we were lining up the calendar, looking at the schedule earlier, and, and Joel got the surgery, I believe Derek pointed out it was February 6th. I believe was the exact day. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to say six week timeline, which that is probably realistically mm -hmm. when he'd be back, I think eight weeks is the conservative end. And we might look at eight weeks and say April 6th, but let's say it's six weeks. That puts you 
basically right on that West Coast trip that they have. They play March 20th in Phoenix is the perfect six weeks out from the surgery date. Then you play the Lakers on the 22nd, the Clippers on the 24th, the Kings on the 25th. So at what point does he come back? Is it within that range? Because if it's if he makes it back for that trip, which I think would be wildly optimistic, but let's say it's possible, sure, that gives you, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games, as many as 14 games with Joel between then and the end of the season. That's not nothing. They only have what? 28 games 28. left. That would be half of their remaining schedule. That's pretty good. Now, even if you were to say, okay, he misses that West Coast trip. They give it six weeks plus, let's say, well, they give it seven weeks. So that's kind of in the middle of the the medium to worst case for the recovery. That still gives you 10 games that he gets for that. And that's not half, but that's a decent chunk of the schedule. That's and a nice ramp up for him. That's a good ramp up. It allows you to, they have some important games at the end of the season. So they play Miami in Miami on April 4th. They play Orlando on the second to last game of the season on April 12th. Those are both games against teams that they're going to have to keep in that play-in race. Mm-hmm. Like a, they're, Indiana is behind Philadelphia right now, but they're mm-hmm. a little closer. I'd say they have a more realistic chance to pass them for fifth or wherever they end up. Miami and Orlando getting those two games, just having them back the end of the season would be as important as it could be. So there's a lot of wiggle room within there. I don't think before Phoenix on March 20th is realistic at all. I think that would be probably my pie in the sky scenario is saying Joel's back for that game. So if you get them for half your remaining schedule, that's an, that's an awesome outcome. Even if you say, Hey, he sits, there are some back to backs in there, including on that trip. If he sits the two back-to-backs, you still get as many as 12 games out of him. That's enough time to establish a new rhythm with his guys, get his conditioning base high heading into the playoffs, and then you're off to the races. But, again, it's all guessing for us at this point, just like the the guessing about whether our internet works anymore. So with with the – let's hypothetically, let's say it's the 10 games. Let's just point out 10 games. We were looking at maybe even just five, six, seven – of just a ramp up opportunity for him to walk into the playoffs where he's got his leg, legs underneath him to now really get ready to use all of that for a, what, I don't know, 35 minute a night type of situation in the postseason. And that depends too on where you're seated in that first round. Are you a, are you a four playing a five or are you a six playing a, a three and you you need him to play all those minutes or is there an opportunity where he may not have to play based on again if they're somehow some way staying a little bit higher where they're playing a lower C where you feel like they can take care of their opponent where he doesn't have to lock so many minutes in that first round but if you can get him back for 10 games which is as Kyle said something that we have no idea that would optimistic but the fact that we're talking that way, that 10 to 15 games or somewhere around there, that would be great for them because, as you talked about, the rhythm that he has to set up, not only with his current, the teammates that he had already played with, but now getting things going with Kyle Lowry and Buddy Heal, campaign, trying to find some new rhythm with them. He hasn't really been on the floor if, if K- K.J. Martin or Ricky Council are still in there, taking some minutes 
that is going to be very interesting to, to, to find out. But if you can get double-digit games from Joel Embiid to wind down that stretch, I think that they will be in a really good position. And that's because what we talked about in the first segment, they still have stuff. We're talking about Tyrese Maxey as an all-star, seeing what Buddy Hill has already done through four games, and then potentially getting Melton and Batum back healthy. Also, Tobias Harris coming back, not dealing with the illness anymore, and getting him ramped up to be hopefully the Tobias Harris that we would like to see over the 28 games. This is a good team that when we say, oh, New York is going to be dangerous in the playoffs, you don't want to play them, or the fact that Milwaukee, of course, is going to be dangerous. Don't let Orlando sneak in. They're going to be very frisky. Or Cleveland, guess what? You know, Joel Embiid comes back, and they're going to be very dangerous again if you underestimated that team for what we saw, and then you get your MVP back. Yeah, it's one of those where wherever they finish is going to be misleading based on their available talent and their ceiling, right? Like, I I think... I'm not, I wouldn't sit here and say they're definitely at full strength, the second best team in the East, but they at least have a claim to it. They had the guy who was at the time that he got hurt, the front runner for MVP, right? So that already, that's high base level. You have another all-star in Tyrese Maxey having his best ever season. So that gives you, raises your level even a little bit. The role players you're able to acquire for the, when James Harden got traded, Nick Batum specifically fits in like a glove and is tying together a lot of lineups. You were getting Paul Reed was in a better role as a, you know, 15 minute per game guy than he is now. And I still think we've had this discussion many times, you, me and Derek, Devon, as Derek still is in the internet. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You might as well leave the set and just like go call Vince or something. I don't. So Paul Reed in his normal role. And now you get Buddy healed and you get into a conversation where you could make arguments for they could change the starting lineup every night, right? Like there might be some teams that, hey, Melton should be out there right, and, and you right. need more of that defensive presence. And there are teams that you don't care as much and you say, we're going to put Buddy in there and we're going to load up. Or you could even say, hey, I know Tobias is not getting benched, but let's just say in a fantasy world sure. where Tobias would be comfortable being six man coming off the bench. You could play a Maxi Melton, Heald, Batum, and Bead lineup and roll it that way. Or slide Batum out. You could play Harris in the four spot and Maxi Melton, Heald in, in the one through three. Now, I think there are some defensive issues there, but you could just say, we will outscore you. We're yes. going we're gonna to put all kinds of shooting around Joel, and we dare you to stop us. So they have options with the starters. They have pretty good depth behind them. Guys that maybe are not super trustworthy, but when you have that top five, six players that they have slot in nicely. And then you also, as we've talked about a lot, they've got Ricky Council ascending right now and showing he can do something. You've got KJ Martin able to help out and has he's been at least trending upward. I don't think that I trust him, but he's at least like, okay, he's shown you something. He might get a, a chance to play. He'll get a chance to see if that is sustainable with the rest with a, of the a group, real team. With the real team, yes. And then you, like, I don't know if he's ever going to play for them again, but you got Robert Covington, too. Like, another solid, good rebounder, good defender. You got Kyle Lowry, who we're going to get to individually in a second. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very good team when they're all at full strength. They have to actually get at full strength. But that's not somebody that we walk into a playoff series whether it's Milwaukee, the Knicks, the Cavs, 
the Pacers, the Pacers would be annoying to play, no doubt. And all those <laughs> right. teams are very good. Right. I'm not disrespecting them at all. But if the Sixers are a lower seed playing one of those teams, I don't go into it like, oh, they're they're done. They can't win because they don't have home court. Like they have the talent and the depth and the elite player to get that job done, no matter who it's against. Boston is the only team to me that you walk into that series in an Eastern Conference playoff matchup and say they deserve to be maybe not prohibitive favorites, but strong favorites to beat them. And you have to play your, your best game against that, that team in that series. And that's the only one that you really look at it in that way. And, and that's where that's the crazy part that we talk about all of this with the injuries and, of course, Embiid number one and then the illnesses and the injuries, the, the hip issue, back issue for DeAnthony Melton is that in the end, they're still, they're still a good team, man. They're still a good basketball team if they can get everybody back out, out there on the floor. So yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun to watch. I think I can start talking now because I don't think there's anything I can do from here. So Don't worry well, about it. Well, we're also getting the, the sign from Vince to just say. 30 minutes into a show? He said a short show. Let's read the messages. I'm just telling you what I'm being told by the powers I mean, that be. I mean, look, we can, like, we'll upload it. Whatever. Whatever. Um, No, I don't have anything else. All right. Well, let, you want to tell everybody about uh, our watch party that we. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell everybody. You mean the people who can't watch the show? Yeah. <laughs> Well, we do. We have a takeover on the 23rd, uh, Friday night. So if you haven't signed up for that, go check out tickets there. Kyle, Devon, and I will all be there. We'll be hanging out in the arena uh, during the game against the Cavs. It was a great time when we did it earlier in the fall. It will be a great time here on Friday. So go check that out. And you don't have to worry about any bad internet there. I mean, you might. But we don't rely on it there. We're talking in person. Great thing about in-person stuff. Also have a... Uh, Live show at Chicken or the Egg in Marlton, New Jersey on yes. the 27th. Yes. Uh, and that will be a pregame show. Uh, we'll watch the game, then, then then we'll broadcast the post-game show from there. So you can come out. If you're in the area, stop by, have some wings. I will have a ludicrous wing with you, maybe after the show, maybe not beforehand, because that could be a, you, you a bad and, place. You and you alone, because I'm not doing that again. <laughs> we did do that once. <laughs> nice we, tingle on the, uh, the lips <laughs> afterward. We all one. completed it successfully, so we will give that a shot. I will challenge you to a ludicrous wing if you stop by. If you just want to have other good food, too. Not good food, too, because ludicrous, ludicrous wing, if we're being honest. You're just doing it because the we're regular stubborn. wings that but we had, but the regular wings were are fantastic. fantastic. Yes. All kinds of food there. It was a fun time. I'm sure it will be a fun time. That is on the 27th on a road game against the Celtics. So go go check those out. And uh, you know, diehards, we are all no, well. Uh, Not no, today. Devon doesn't have a piece Not on, today. but Kyle and I have some of our merchandise on. You get a free shirt with a diehard subscription. You get access to. Uh, our Discord, which may or may not have Devon in it, but at very least has a wanted poster of <laughs> Devon in it. Uh, Kyle and I are hanging out in there all the time. Go check that out. And you get access to all of our writing as well. So allphly.com. Check out the diehards. We would appreciate it. And allphly.com. I mean, all, pardon me, for all of the reading, phlylocker.com for the hats and the hoodies that Derek and Kyle are sporting right now. Again, I haven't PH. worn this camo hoodie in a while. I realized that it was in my drawer, and I just had lost track of it for a little bit. It looks looks good. Yeah, looks good. Know. PHLY. Fletcher Locker. Cox has rocked this exact hoodie. You know? Did he? 
we share that in common. Look at that. It's the too. only thing you share in common with Fletcher Cox. <laughs> Two trendy guys right there, right there. Um, so phlylocker.com. Check out all the hoodies, the hats, the merchandise, so you can dress like these guys and look cool. You guys doing ads while zero people are able to watch on the internet. There's some real professionalism right well, you know, there. I mean, look, it's not like we <laughs> shut it down afterwards. We upload it eventually, I, slowly yeah, the internet to YouTube is and we'll watch it. Go, yes, go, back and, go back and it'll be there. Uh, so with that, as you said, you talked about Kyle Lowry. We'll get to him soon. How about we get to him now? How does Nick Nurse use Kyle Lowry once he gets into a Sixers uniform, get some practices underneath his, his belt there for Nick Nurse? He knows Nick Nurse's system. That's not a problem. How will he use him where he's no longer the Toronto Raptors? Yeah. Toronto Raptors, uh, Kyle Lowry, he's now... A different version of Lowry. And that's the important distinction, right? We would sit here and say, all of us would probably agree. Kyle Lowry, upgrade on Patrick Beverly. Good basketball player. Smart <laughs> basketball player. Don't tell Beverly that. Good shooter. Yeah, we're going to get to Patrick Beverly in, in a moment. Good guy in a specific role. The question is, and I know like we've, we're coming off of Doc Rivers where everyone thinks that everything Doc did is only a mistake that Doc would make. But coaches prefer veterans. They especially prefer veterans they've had success with and that have a track record. And Kyle Lowry has a, as good of a track record with <laughs> Nick Nurse as basically anybody in the NBA, in fact, was like the, the, the leader of that entire program and someone that Nick Nurse said in a recent press conference when he was asked about it, He's the most competitive player I've ever coached. Those suggest, and coaching history suggests, that Lowry is probably not coming here and just playing a 15-minute, you're the backup point guard type of role, right? Like, I think, and this doesn't mean that it's necessarily wrong, but I think that Nick Nurse is going to try to play him as a second ball handler next to Tyrese Maxey. I, I think they're going to experiment with different lineups. We've already seen it with campaign maxi and buddy healed right the three of them playing together and turk and and turk <laughs> and turk and turk so <laughs> to see the very small lineups they're already playing and you hear nick nurse say lowry's a competitor but also lowry's a super intelligent player and that tells you okay he probably trusts him to play in these multi-guard configurations and who cares if they're too small who cares if they're giving up some things Kyle Lowry will make it work because, again, to that point I was making about the amount of shooting they have on the team now, they got quite a bit. And, and Kyle Lowry is contributing to that. He's been a high-volume, mm -hmm. ready-to-fire catch-and-shoot player for a lot of his career. So I think he might end up playing him too much. It's too early to say. Maybe he gets rejuvenated coming home. He wants to prove something in this big role he could be afforded. Lowry, you know – Right to the moon, I don't know. But my concern would be that Lowry looks like the guy he was in Miami, which is still a decent player, but not someone who should be playing 25-plus minutes a night. And Nurse, I don't want to say refuses to see that, but still continues to roll with his guy because that's his guy. The one thing about Kyle Lowry that, that, that we've seen and then that I feel like I know is that that guy – comes in and he plays the right way. He comes in and he plays any role that the head coach asks of him. 
and especially when it comes to Nick Nurse. Now, again, that was a different version. That was all-star Kyle Lowry during that time and NBA champion, which he came here for a reason to, again, try to become a second-time NBA champion. He looked at this and felt like this was the best situation for him. Uh, logistically, it worked out coming back home. And, of course, the team that they have, there are going to be two versions of Kyle Lowry playing with the Sixers, pre-Joel Embiid and then post-Joel Embiid. Right now, we have to worry about the pre-Joel Embiid, and that's probably going to be those two and three-guard lineups that, that you're talking about because the, he has to get creative, Nick Nurse does, with, with how he wants to do things, and you never know what it's going to call for at the end of the game with what lineups he needs to have out there. Going to have to ride the hot hand quite a bit. Defensive focus, is it hot yes. hand focus? There are so many different ways that that could go. I'm very curious to see how that works because there's going to be a time, Kyle, that you said – He's going to trust him. Is he going to lean on him too much? Don't know. Um, you know, we, we, we don't know. There are going to be those games where he's hot. There might be that personal game against Patrick Beverly on the floor on Sunday against Milwaukee where that gets fun, right? The revenge the game. The revenge game. You're talking, you talking all this stuff over social media? Let's have at it. You know, that kind of thing. But he will, he will play the right way and do everything that he can to win a basketball game. It's one thing about Kyle Lowry that we do know. And I think, I th I think Kyle, as you said, you know, sh shoot him to the moon type of performance right out of the gate. I think you're gonna get that that burst of I'm home and I can help this team. We saw it with Marcus Morris, man. He yeah. came back and played some some whatever his games. issues are, some inspired basketball. Yes, he did. And there's I think there's gonna be some inspired basketball by Kyle Lowry once he. Steps on the floor in that uniform. You know the first one at home when the stepping on the floor, the crowd behind him. He's never done that before. Checked into the game, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, probably coming off the bench. That's gonna mean something. And then you then it's time to play basketball. And he's gonna go out there and he's gonna wanna make sure that he shows up well for he's playing in front of his home crowd for the first time, not in a visitor uniform. And I think that's the type of player that you're gonna get. Derek, what do you think about <laughs> Kyle Lowry? Do you think he can help fix the internet, or is that a just? I mean, you he think? might. He's been a. He, uh, <laughs> gonna make a joke. It he went matter. to Villanova. He did. He's a smart yeah, guy. look, he's been around long enough, so like he's seen pro, you know poor internet service before for sure. Uh, no, I think like we've been talking about. It, I share Kyle's concern. I was actually somewhat listening there. I share Kyle's concern that Nick's fondness for the past and you know his his being knowing about Kyle's virtues might have him give him too big of a role than he currently warrants. And we saw with Miami earlier, he's not the guy he was. He's not the guy he was even last year during the playoffs. He's not the guy he was two years ago. He's certainly not the guy he was when Nick had him. He's still a guy who can, you know, smart defensively, give it his all, uh, make an open shot, cut off ball, things of that sort, make decent decisions, but he's not going, you're not, you're just not going to give him the ball and ask him to create out of pick and rolls. That's not what his skill set is anymore. Um, you know, I think he will be a good option. I think he will give you valuable minutes. I think he will fit next to Embiid. He'll probably look a little more natural of a fit when he's finally playing next to Embiid. He'll be fine. I do share a lot of the concerns that Nick might overuse him. Going to take some charges, man. Yeah. Takes charges on this team. Nobody. For that? <laughs> six foot tall Ursan Ilyasova. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he is. With a lot more of the ability to dribble. So, I'll, listen, I'm, sure. I'm not. I Kyle Lowry's a. 
still a good player. Yes, I, he is. I would agree with the people who think that he's washed, but that's more a commentary on how far he has fallen. Like at his peak, he was a very, very good player. Yes. Now he's now he's a decent player. He's just not somebody that I think should be playing a high volume. No, if he plays more than 20 minutes, I would be really concerned. Yeah. Really Hall of concerned. Famer. It's a good question. I mean, he made what? Six, six. straight all-stars. Won a, won a title. And I. so here's the other part that's very important. He is the most important player in Raptors history, yep. you could argue. Mm-hmm. Like Vince Carter, better at his peak. Kawhi Leonard certainly was the reason that they won the title, like or the main reason, I should say. Mm-hmm. But Lowry's consistency there, his leadership there, all that, I, I know people in Toronto value it highly. And if I had to guess, I think he probably makes it. But I say he's in. That's also like, if but this was a different sport, he doesn't make it. But the Basketball Hall of Fame is generally, and I like, I like that it's lenient and that we get to celebrate more players than like the ba- the crotchety baseball hall of fame where yeah. a bunch of guys who are in who never played against anyone but white dudes and it's like oh yeah the sanctity of the game's ruined because Barry Bonds did the same steroids that the rest of the league did. anyway I'm not trying to get on a baseball hall of fame he's made one all NBA <laughs> team and it was a third team yeah, that, I think if we're being tough. honest probably not the only reason he's in a conversation is because of that championship and the all-stars yeah, but just six consecutive all stars because teams. they count them. But six all stars without an all NBA, without the, anything even approaching a, I'd, I'd be. Surprised. And you say because of I, the if championship. I'm being honest, I don't sit there and, and watch every Hall of Famer. Like I don't know everyone's credentials that required to get in there. Right. I would be a little dubious. Yeah, I I, I lean. I think he does because uh, of the fact that, as you said, we're talking about it because of the championship. But he got it. And he was a big piece of it. He won that with the six All Stars, the one All NBA. I, I think I think it's something that because of the way, as you said, more lenient, Kyle. I think that's why he gets in. You know, he's a part of this run in the 2010s into the 2020s. There's his name is mentioned with with a lot of guys. He may be down the list, but his name is mentioned. When, when yeah. we talk about him, because we speak of, I mean, look. All NBA is a good point, though, because I, sure. I remember correctly. So one of the controversial, Mitch Richmond's in the Hall of Fame That's now, what, That right? was the one I was going to bring up. But Mitch he Richmond. has, he made one, two, three, four. He made five All NBA teams. Mm-hmm. So he was a six-time All-Star and made five All NBAs. So that's, that's a big point of distinction between him and Lowry. Now, Richmond had, what, basically zero no championships. He's got one, the but it, he was hanging on, on with the Lakers yeah. in 0102 when right. he certainly didn't have much of a role on that team. Right, so right. I don't it depends on how how much weight people put on one the championship but also what he meant to the Raptors who, you know, for the early the part of that they're still trying to figure out what kind of franchise they are, right? Like they weren't that old. Remember when he Lowry was traded got to there. the Knicks and then it was the Knicks said no from Toronto. <laughs> yes. You remember that? Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, what does he do? He becomes the most important Raptor in in the organization. So And, that, and so that's discussion. really the question is yeah. how much do you value? Also, making the point, Martian Lynch brought up T-Mac. Is T-Mac all was fame. a wildly better player. T-Mac also made seven All-NBA <laughs> teams, was a multiple-time yeah, scoring champ. Yeah. And like it, 
T-Mac had a signature shoe, buddy. He is he's a pretty big, pretty big deal back. Someone in the day. brought up Grant Hill. The issue with Grant Hill, of course, is he did make the all NBA teams. He made the all-star teams. Didn't play long enough. And also so Grant points, Hill's college career and is that's a big part going. of it. People so. remember it's the basketball hall of fame, not yes. the NBA Hall of Fame. And that's why yeah. some of those I mean, names. For get me, in. I've always been like it should be real tough to get in the Hall of Fame. I, I forget who said this first, but it's not the Hall of Really Good. It's a Hall of Fame. And I value peak performance more than longevity. Uh, it's sort of like the Chase Utley versus Jimmy Rollins debate. I, Chase Utley was the best second baseman for a five-year stretch. That peak to me is more valuable than a guy having a long career. Kyle's sort of the basketball version of he's had a long career. He was really good for a really long time. But he was very rarely someone you looked at and said, that's a top 20 player. That's a top 15 player. Or even a top six guard, which he was only voted once in his career. If you're not regularly cracking that, or at least regularly thought of as in that conversation... It would be real tough for me to put you. All right, I'm going to ask you guys one quick one before we move on from this topic, just because he is one of the finalists this year. Chauncey Billups in or out? I think he's in. Three-time <sighs> All NBA, two-time All Defensive. How many All Stars? About five. Five and and the championship. Yeah. And looked at as the leader of that championship and the one who really turned them around. Right. On the championship. Right. So I think Chauncey's in. And to your point, you look I at Kyle Lowry. He, he is like the, yeah. he's right on the fringe to me. And I to me but I when think, you look at that list that they that they put together, Vince Carter is the headliner. Yeah, Chauncey Billups is right under there. So when you're saying that, it's like, yeah, Chauncey might get in. <laughs> now, Chauncey, again, we're going to, but he was top five MVP once, top six second time, uh, top 10 two more times. So he's been like thought of as there a little more than Kyle. I think Chauncey probably has a stronger case than Kyle, even though I like Kyle more because he's from Philly. Okay. Uh, but also, <laughs> oh, finishing would, sixth would, in MVP voting is just like, I would have to go and look at what the ballot was. Like, he could have gotten basically zero <laughs> no, votes. No, but I'm hey, also a sixth a one third. It's more than like Kyle's done. And I, I'm not to, disagreeing to be clear, with you there. I probably wouldn't vote for Chauncey either. Like, I think that it should be real tough to get in the Hall of Fame. And like, look, I tough. thought, I thought, I was like, wait a minute, Mitch Richmond is going into the Hall of Fame? Right. But even when you run off those, the accolades that he has, I'm like, yeah, Mitch Richmond still got into the Hall of Fame. So that's why I lean it that way. And Daniel says, Devon wants everybody in. No, I don't. I'm just looking at what they do. I don't have a vote. That's what they do. And I think that Kyle Lowry, as part of the conversation, he may not be talked about as a top 20 player or a top six guard during that time. Chauncey Billups that year that he finished sixth in MVP voting got 33 points on the ballot. The fifth place person, which was Chris Paul, got 192. Just for... Anyway, we're way off the plot here. The point it's is... A fun that, conversation, though. The, the point is that Lowry, we all believe, can be a helpful contributor in a specific role. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Will Nick Nurse leave him in that specific role? I would say probably not, but how big does it get? Remains to be seen. What's the final one you want to hit here, question wise? Because we have a lot. We still got a, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff we, so I guess what I would say is the most important question left. Can they be a competent defense and rebounding team without Joel? Basically, Hold no. the fort down for the next. You no. just think it's straight up now. Yeah, I think it's pretty straight up now. Because we've seen it. Already. Both of them or like can they improve the defense and not the rebound? Are we like, saying competent like they might be last, but they're not laughably last or competent like mid-pack? 
mid-pack. No. I'm, you don't I'm think, pretty skeptical about both. You don't think with Melton and Batum, and let's just pretend for the sake of argument that Robert Covington's still a basketball player that exists. All right, look, <laughs> if everything rolls right and all the people who have been unreliable, unreliable in their health come back and are able to stay in the lineup, there's a chance they might be able to get in the 15 to 20 range. Okay. Yeah, but, but what are my what's my confidence level of everything going right? I don't know. I've been living in Philadelphia for a long time, and bad things happen in Philadelphia, as we know. And to your point with Melton, like I feel like we've been penciling DeAnthony in. It's also he's got a back issue. It's not like oh he had a sprained ankle and he's coming back. Like a back issue. If you had to guess, when was the last time DeAnthony Melton played? January. 19th, I don't know. Something in, I'm not looking at all. So this is a blind guess. I'm not even guessing. 15th. Ooh, only off by a few. Days. No, I'm sorry, 12th. 12th. Oh, okay. Um, and that off was only two games. Before the, like he he missed three games, came back for two, and then has missed since. Before then it was 2023. How many total games has he played this year? They've had 54 games. I would guess 27. Because he's missed time for other stuff. 33. 33. 33. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's Listen, banking on him to be, he's for sure playing. I wouldn't advise it. I'd say that. But if they can keep him healthy, if the, and here's another one, like I just brought that up. Nick Batum at 35 years old has a soft tissue hamstring problem. (laughs) That is like the worst that you don't want to hear any kind of soft tissue stuff for a guy at his age. That is like, you're just going to have a constant nagging problem those are the things that when you're younger you recover better you recover quicker you just say oh keep him out the two weeks three weeks whatever and he'll be fine this could be something that impacts the rest of the year and if they don't get him back that is such a it's a much bigger problem than i think people understand because i'm trying to be charitable to a lot of guys in the rotation but they have a lot of bozos (laughs) defensively (laughs) like they have a lot of guys who are just kind of Space cadet, not high IQ defensive players. And I'm not saying Nick Batum makes up for all that by himself. He makes up at least a little bit. There's a base level of positioning, communication, cohesion that he brings to the table that helps other guys. DeAnthony, not that same type of player, but as Batum brings the stability, DeAnthony can bring the chaos. He's getting into passing lanes. He's forcing more turnovers where they're not a team designed to force turnovers in, in their current state. So are they going to be a good defensive or rebounding team without Joel? No, no. I, I, I'm confident the answer is no. Can they be mediocre? I think so, but it is going to take good fortune and good luck and good health. Well, if there's anyone who are experts at being mediocre, it is this podcast. Well, at least Comcast's, uh, internet supply for this com- this <laughs> podcast. I would say that. Go no, get back. those rebounds, Rick. That's it. Put them on the floor. Go and that's there. the case to play Ricky, right? He helps us a couple rebounds, of those man. problems. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of super chats that we have to uh, get in here as well before we get out of here and uh, go to Daniel first. What are the chances that three of the uh, four of Maxie, Heald, Melton, and Lowry share the court together during the playoffs? Wow. Um during the playoffs at the same I'd say time? slim. Yeah, n- yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with that. Now, look, there might be some times where, let's say Melton is back and you have Melton 
with Heald and Maxi on the floor. I could see that. I don't know beyond that where I would look at anything. And that would probably be in the short stint where Nick Nurse sees an opportunity matchup-wise where he he sees something and he says, okay, let me run these three guys out there with Embiid, hopefully on the floor. And then you're looking at, I, I guess, Tobias or Nick Batum with him at, in the front court, but not not very much. I could see Nick going wild with a four-guard lineup around Embiid in the playoffs. Just I could see him doing crazy shit. Hmm. I don't know about that specific lineup, but it could you could see some weird shit. I wouldn't hate it, especially depending. It's on, like basically his whole brand as a coach. Yeah, what, <laughs> what what what's what's the matchup? He sees it. Okay, let's run with it. Let's get nuts. I, I so that would be fun though. All right, we have one more from Ash. And then we do have to get to I, Doc and. I think we should just do a standalone and <laughs> put that out later with the internet right now. I don't, I don't know. I, look, knock on wood, the internet is stable right now. Famous last words. <laughs> Ash says, I uh, posted next 18 games in a Discord. I'll be there with you soon, Ash. Assuming Joel uh, is back late March, it's hard to find eight wins in the next 18. Uh, they should. With that, there will be seventh, eighth seed when Joel does, in fact, return. We've talked about it quite a bit. This is not a forgiving part of the schedule. If they could flip the end of March and early April schedule with what they have coming up, I guarantee you the Sixers would sign on the dotted line immediately to do that. Because if you're going to get you all back for any stretch, they would love to have them for this one where you come right out of the shoot against the Knicks, the Cavs, the Bucks, the Celtics. You get a brief break. Get to play the Charlotte Hornets. God bless them. Although, as I think you pointed out on the show previously, Devon, they've been playing a little bit better once they mm-hmm. made some trades and rearranged all their deck chairs on the Titanic. Then they play at Dallas, Brooklyn, Memphis. Those are easy. But then the Pelicans, who they're going to be pushing for a real playoff spot. Two straight games at the Garden in New York, which I don't know how that happened in the schedule. Then you go to Milwaukee. Somehow you get another Charlotte game. <laughs> And then it's the stretch run that we are are thinking Joel could be back for. So I agree with Ash. It's tough to find. If you're sitting here and saying on paper, they're not going to win a ton of those games. I wouldn't say they're going to go above 500, certainly. But we don't know what's going to happen with other teams with injuries. We don't know in March who's motivated, who's not. Like that, what people always forget when they look at the schedule in March is that this is generally where motivation goes to die in the NBA. It's a long part of the schedule where the Nuggets, for example, last year, part of the reason Joel Embiid won MVP is the Nuggets went off a cliff and were fucking around for most of a full month. And Joel, to his credit, sees the day, sees the narrative, played great down the stretch, ends up winning the MVP. But weird things could happen. Doc Rivers and the Bucks have been a complete disaster. So... They could go out on Sunday and beat Milwaukee at home. They could beat Milwaukee on the road in mid-March. We don't know. The Knicks have Julius Randle out. They have Mitchell Robinson is still out. OG Ananobi has been out. Like We don't know how many of those guys are going to be healthy for these meetings. So who knows? I, I agree with you. On paper, it looks bad. But you can never judge, especially in March, the the paper schedule. And then if you, if as Ash said, if they're – seventh, eighth over the next 18, looking for that eight wins, there's still 10 games left. 
So what happens in those 10 games, not only with the Sixers, but also with the other teams around them that could possibly help them maybe move back into that top six? All you have to do is sneak into the top six. It doesn't matter what the record is. You just get into the top six and and avoid that play-in and, and that that 10 games will be important outside of the 18 that Ash, you, you, you talk about. So, yeah. And I, I mentioned this last time Ash brought it up. He keeps going to 18. Cause I think it gets him right to a end of a road trip. The next five games are like the Clippers, the Cavs, the thunder, the heat, like they're really important, really tough games. So you're not out of the woods when you get past those no. 18. I extended that to 23 and I set a very low bar of eight and 15. And that's a very low bar where if they just clear that bar, they have a chance of holding on to the six seed. Um, but that is the minimum. I think, for them to have a chance. So if they can just give them a little bit of cushion and go 10 and 13, you're not looking for them to excel. You're just looking for them to, you know, remain afloat. And it's going to be tough. Like this is a real, real, like you hope that maybe the Knicks aren't at full strength. So you have a chance on those games, but every winnable game that you have, like you mentioned, the Hornets playing better basketball, but still one that you can seal. You can't let very many opportunities slip away. That's why not to relitigate a game that is now six games or six days old. That's why the one against Miami hurt because it was a team mm-hmm. that you that you're fighting for position with and you had a chance to win. But you also stole one from Cleveland that we didn't think was going to be there. Sure, but no, I, and winning the three in Miami, a row like we steal, talked about. So here's the problem with that though: stealing a win only matters if you get the ones you're supposed to win. Yeah, Otherwise, when we looked you at stole that stretch, it and then you gave it back. But you, when we looked at that stretch, the we were talking about them beating Washington. We we've been having questions: could they even beat Washington just because? And well, I'm with a- you. Go win those three because you did win that second one. But again, you stole it. So was it going to be you win Miami and lose Cleveland? And we're still talking about in the last three, they're two and one. All I'm saying, I I understand what you're saying. I'm it, just saying it, for tiebreak, like because Miami's no, I a seven seed. That's yeah, all. That's why we talked one, about the it, way we did. It hurt. And I would say the only solace you take out of that game is, and Tyrese said this directly after the game. He said, "That's not a game we lost because you know guys didn't try mm-hmm. or like we had because there were other games where yeah they didn't have a lot of guys available, but against Brooklyn, for example, that's just a bogus effort game and." That was not what happened against Miami. That was a not enough guys couldn't execute at the end. And it happens and it's fine. All I'm saying is that when you steal a game, the value in stealing is that, okay, that's one we didn't think you would get, but you do have to win the ones that are there for the taking. And unfortunately, even though it was close, they gave that one back. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Oh, we got another super chat from our guy Vince, who must have been working on the internet the rest of the show. Said Sixers winning 17. Go, uh, well, let's say Sixers 17. going 17 and 10 in their last 27 games. Okay, Vince. Right. They got 28. Bzzz, wrong. So Reminder this is a guy who thinks it's more, the team is more entertaining without Joel Embiid on the floor. So, all right. And just for, for the record, their record right now going into these final 28s, 32 and 22. You want to close with. Uh, Saying some thank yous. Some good pals. Some real thank yous. Oh, no. I, are, are, we, are we doing uh, did, Beverly, Beverly and all no, that? No, we're, we, we're streaming fine. We're good. Yeah. We're good all go. right. If the stream's go going, let's just let's get into it, right? All right. Go for it. So we got to We got to start with, here's what kicked <laughs> Well, first of all, for anybody who missed it yesterday, and you should go back to Monday's show, we did talk about Doc Rivers' comments that were made over All-Star Weekend that a uh, friend of the show, Jerome Weitzman, reported over at Fox Sports, where... Doc essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Doc said that 
it was really tough for him to take the Bucks job oh, no. on their toughest road trip of the <laughs> season. Is Jonathan being serious with the stream sputtering? Because I, I can't know. tell. We just got to power through it. No, five minutes no, 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 no. We're not. We're doing a standalone. We're. I'm cutting the mics. Ninety percent of the people listen afterwards anyway. I, no, we're more than that. It's over. It's over. <laughs> so we're just gonna record one and then upload it. That's yes. the same. That's the same thing. That's the same thing as doing it on the show. No, it's not. All right. I don't. People are saying we're back. We're just gonna have to power through it. Comcast can. I'm not gonna say what they can do right now. <laughs> So Doc Rivers essentially said it would have been easier for him to take over at the all-star break, which, you know, we got into that yesterday. You want our thoughts on that? I will check out yesterday's pod plug yesterday's show. So JJ Reddick, here's what Doc Rivers has said. And he goes on first take today and JJ Reddick, who notably played and started under Doc Rivers says, I've seen the trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of the season is hard. Just like getting traded in the middle of the season is hard for a player. We get it, but it's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. They lose to Memphis. Oh, it's his player's fault. Memphis was playing G League guys and two-way guys. Then you look at his quotes over the weekend, and now he wants to take credit for the James Harden trade. Did the Clippers working out? He wants credit for that? There's never accountability for this guy. <laughs> he's right so that jj ends it around there i didn't watch the full first take I, mm -hmm. i'm not gonna ever do that patrick beverly former clippers player under doc rivers now bucks player under doc rivers says this man doc actually saved your career started you when no one else wanted to and you retire go on tv and say that tweets at jj reddick <laughs> jj reddick's first response LOL. <laughs> JJ Reddick. Come back, JJ. JJ Reddick's second response. Pat, my guy, I had a four-year offer with player option for the same money to be a starter for a different team. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Saved my career. <laughs> Gentlemen, do you have any thoughts? I am team JJ all the way. Look, Pat Bev is... He's been part of this podcast even more than he was when he was here because Seriously. of the stuff that he said on, on his podcast since he has left. And I'm on JJ's side with this one. JJ Reddick was already establishing himself again as a, we knew about that stuff after the fact that he had offers to sign elsewhere. And he did just that. And one of the things that bothered me when Doc Rivers was with the Clippers is that everyone else got the blame and not him and, until he did. Later, when it was time, time to leave, and for him, remember when he was said he was playing DeAndre Jordan or no tr playing Trez because Harden wanted him to. Yeah. Like he wouldn't even take blame for playing Trez. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? He yeah. wouldn't and take blame for anything. It, it, so he, it, it, Pat Beverly is wrong here. Pat Beverly clearly stands up for Doc Rivers. When he had that six man run almost there where Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell were actually winning it, but he was a part of that Clippers team. He loves Doc Rivers for whatever reason that he does. J.J. Redick says things that even me as a guy who likes J.J. Redick, I like J.J. Redick a lot, even for the job that he does now. He can say some things where he's wrong. He's not wrong on this one. Yeah. And oh, by the way, he has history with Doc Rivers to sit in that locker room just like you did. And his team was better than yours with the Clippers. Yet at that time, they were at odds 
during that time with the Clippers because of how Doc Rivers handled things, not only in the locker room, but through the media where he would come after them. So here we are again. We get to see Doc Rivers on Sunday when the Sixers take on We get to or we have to? We have to. (laughs) We have to see him. But I'm on JJ's side with this one. And Patrick Beverly, come on, man. (laughs) Take it down a notch, Patrick Beverly, because this is ridiculous. So JJ and those guys, that version of the team in L.A., Pretty notorious for, I'd say they're one of the more talented teams of the last 25 years to not get it done in the playoffs, right? To not break through that second round wall. And there are a lot of reasons for that, right? Doc is a huge part of it, but to give him any kind of cover, you would say there's a lot of personality clashing, a lot of finger pointing. Chris Paul at that point was still getting accused of like, like he's got a, a little bit of he's he wears on people, right? Like he's a very hard charging, competitive guy. Certainly so is JJ in, in his different ways. Blake wanted his amount of control on the team. Whatever. Like there, there's a lot of ego clashing. It's not fair to say that's all Doc, right? And it has never been fair to say when these teams have lost, it's only because of Doc. The thing that has always driven me crazy is that the exact things that Doc gets credit for are the exact reasons his teams have lost, right? Like, oh, Doc Rivers is a big, he sets the hierarchy. Well, the fucking hierarchy in LA went to shit. And that's why you, that's a big reason why the team fell apart. You didn't win. Oh, he's an accountability guy. Well, there was no accountability for the Sixers. There's no accountability for the Clippers. There's stories that came out about, Kawhi is like showing up hours late to flights and delaying team planes. They're working the whole practice schedule around these guys. That's not accountability. The the whole reason that they, that was like the sales pitch, like, oh, Doc Rivers is going to come into the Sixers organization and install some accountability for the team. Like, what the fuck coach have you guys been watching all these years? <laughs> so that's the stuff that drives me crazy. And JJ, to your point, has been, he's seen it firsthand. He's seen like, okay, this is what Doc does in practice. This is what the meetings look like behind the scenes to work with the JJs, the Chris Pauls, the Blake Griffins, the DeAndre Jordans, and then the role players, the Matt Barnes, the Lou Williams, the Jamal Crawfords. They know the ins and outs and all that. And then they hear what Doc says publicly. And for JJ, who like, look, He's on first take, and I know first take goes a certain way. JJ is not a guy who just gets on that show and says anything, right? If anything, he has pretty consistently been the contrast to Stephen A., to Shannon Sharp, to Mad Dog, to all these other guys who they're all talented at what they do in their different ways. But JJ has been the more, I'd say, reasonable, the calmer, the rational side of it. For JJ to go up there and say that, that's not just somebody blowing smoke. That's someone who played for Doc, played in the league a long time, telling you how he feels. And so Pat Bev trying to give him cover through, oh, nobody else wanted you. Like, J.J. Redick was a 40% three-point shooter. Even if yeah. you were to say, hey, Doc gave him a, a bigger opportunity and helped out his career in that way, you can't sit here and be like, oh, J.J. would have been, like, out of the li-. like. To JJ's point, fuck out of here with that. <laughs> well, so to that point, like JJ went from 
Uh, 17 minutes. This is in Orlando. 17 to 22. 25, 27, and 30 before going to the Clippers. Right. Did he start a lot? No, he was mostly as a six but man. But he trending was up. trending up, right. To say that he, he owed him Stock his career. Stock up, if I had the sign. Saved his be... career, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but even if, and I don't think this is true, but even if Pat Bev was right, what's the implication? Just because Doc was good for him for his career, he now can't be an honest analyst? Like, there's so many opinions right now in the media that are up for sale because it's expedient for them to do so. Whether that's for access, protecting whether that's, relationships whether that's with for anybody, spooks, yeah. whether that's relationships, what have you. There's so many people who are on air or writing things that they fundamentally don't believe or that they don't challenge because it's easier for them to do that. Even if Doc Rivers was great for JJ's career, I want my guy on first take being truthful with his feelings. So what are you really getting at him for? Like what what's really the criticism here? I think Pat Bev is wrong that he saved his career, but even if he did quote unquote save his career, I think it's wrong to criticize him for saying what he truly believes. Even if Doc was a great friend, it's probably pretty easy to read between the lines that he might not be JJ's best friend. But even if that were true, he should be honest with how he's portraying the situation. So I give JJ props regardless. And JJ's been in a lot of locker rooms with a lot of players. He was here. He still has relationships within locker rooms where he hears stuff. So for Pat Pat Beverly should know that. The same way Pat Beverly goes after what happened with him in Los Angeles after he left and then going to Chicago and feeling slighted and and all of that stuff. Where was Pat Beverly when James Harden was saying things about Doc Rivers? Nowhere. Nowhere. Well, and and Derek brought up an example of Trez. We don't have to, and like that was a Sixers example, but Pat Bev, we can cut out every Clippers example. And just use the examples from Doc's tenure in Philadelphia, which JJ was not a part of, by the way. During Doc's time in Philadelphia, he pumped up Ben Simmons' value through the press and talked him up and talked him up and then threw him under the bus when it mattered and then tried to pretend and fucking gaslight members of the media and say, no, 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 that isn't, that actually isn't what I said. It's like, Dude, we were on a Zoom call. That was recorded. <laughs> that wasn't even like we're in a, a back room in a in your office, like we're all having a conversation and somebody misinterpreted what you said. You were caught in fucking 4K throwing somebody under the bus. That happened. That's the one of the main reasons that Ben Simmons wanted to get the hell out of this city is you. That's you making excuses, not JJ Reddick. You. So that happened that we all saw. We've all seen what he's done since he left Philadelphia where, oh, James didn't want to do this. Or I thought after the all-star break, James started playing more selfishly. And we sat here on the show. I know Derek and I did. I think Devon wasn't with us yet. We compared the stats side by side and they're damn near identical. It didn't fucking happen. (laughs) That's not why they lost. James Harden played the same way the whole year. So this is a guy who he's always looking to blame somebody else. It's never his fault. That's why JJ gets mad. JJ will probably sit there. If you told him, if you got, if we had him on this show, got him on any other show and asked him if he had a a role to play and why the Clippers didn't win, why the Sixers didn't win, he would look you in the eye and say, yeah, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't good enough defensively. Maybe I wasn't, I didn't mend this relationship. This communication wasn't as strong as it needed to be, whatever it is. Doc still can't sit here to this day and take accountability for basically any of his failures. I remember him sitting 
when he right around when he took the job in Philadelphia and saying, well, if you look back and see like the players who I didn't win with in LA, well, they haven't won anything without me either. Like, fuck off, dude. Just the arrogance that guy has because he got an all time team put around him in In 08 and it took fucking Andrew Bynum and Trevor Ariza being injured for you to win in six games. Come on, man. Enough. And Tyrese Maxey wanted to come off the bench. I'm still mad about the Rivers here, but this is enough is enough. He wanted to come off the bench. Tyrese Maxey did. I didn't even bring that shit up. He's a good sport. Pat Bev responds. He couldn't take accountability for that. Nope. Pat Bev responds on Twitter. (laughs) He says, why didn't you take it then? Talking about the other deal that was offered to him to be a starter. You was comfy in your role with the team and don't just say L.A. All right, Pat. What does that even mean? I have no Why idea. You were comfy in your role with a team you hadn't played with yet? What? <laughs> I don't know. But the Maxi example is the greatest example, yeah. right? Doc had reasons. Like, we all saw how they played without him. We looked at DeAnthony Melton and said, as a guy who's like a plug-in fit and say he doesn't need the ball, whatever, and you unleash Maxi as the sixth man... There are reasons for that. They might not have been reasons everyone agreed with, but you could have led with that. And instead of saying, hey, I see these potential ways to use Tyrese and to use DeAnthony and to argue it with logic and put his name on it, he had to sit there and fucking lie to your face, lie to all our faces and say, well, Tyrese actually asked me for this. He thought it was better for the team. And I continue to give Tyrese credit despite the fact that he shouldn't have done this. I agree. For sticking up for that and saying, like, I'm not going to rock the boat. I care about the team. I'm not going to cause problems. I'm going to do what I need to do to help this team out. But that is Doc Rivers in a nutshell. Stand and fucking handle your business and don't throw a 21-year-old kid under the bus and say, oh, he's the reason I did it. That's bullshit. And that's Doc. That's who Doc Rivers is. And that's where we end, Derek. Yeah, I mean, we can keep going because I feel like we're just adding extra time on the end of the show since the beginning of the show didn't work. No, I'm just making sure people got their their time's worth today. I, since, I, honestly, uh, I give everyone credit. There's still a lot of people hanging out after all of the streaming problems earlier. So thank you very much. Yeah. It's cool to see. Man, that Tyrese Maxey one always got me because you knew it in the moment. You were like, that's not true. Yeah. And good on Tyrese to finally say it this season that, no, I did not want and suggest that I come off the bench. We all knew it at the time, and we all knew something was fishy with that, and that's exactly why, because of, as we, as we know, Doc Rivers. You had this kid calling his mom saying, like, what did I do wrong? The, this kid who walks in, the hardest worker every day, big smile on his face, and you're asking this kid to lie for you in, in perpetuity, essentially. Just, just complete nonsense. And on Sunday, he took him off the floor after he scored like eight in a row. So there's that. Kyle, we got a lot of people to thank. Got man. a lot of people to thank. Thank you, everybody, for hanging around while we were dealing with the technical <laughs> difficulties. We really appreciate it. As was already pointed out by both my colleagues here, for you guys to stick around long enough to actually see any of this show after what happened to start it with the technical difficulties, I love y'all for that. So thank you to Marty Bones, to Gavin, who was here. Bright and early on the show. We had John. Who was it? I think it was Daniel. Might yeah. have had a super chat yeah. before the show even began. Yes. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Jonathan Chen. Shout out to Ash Monroe. 
Vincent, our guy Vince in the chat. Thank you. Fusion, I saw trying to suggest fixes for the internet during the show. Front running fan base. Smy guy. A.A. Ron. Espy. Eric Schmidt. Elaine Bruno. Randy Rubart. Mary Overfield, who I always love to shout out. See her a lot what on up, Twitter. Man? Got Money Mar. Money Mar. He's getting pushback. <laughs> People saying, you're not even a Sixers fan. We know you're a Sixers fan. Money Mar, and we love you for that. That's because he thinks the Sixers are done. <laughs> we got the hypothetical man. We got the, Al, the two-minute warning. What up, Al? Who I know we will see at our takeover on Friday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hope to see some more of you if you missed that promo earlier. Go to allphly.com. Hit our events tab. We'd love to have you with us on Friday night. We've got Misremembered72. We've got Remo <laughs> K. Martian Lynch, who's always here with us. we got Bootzilla. What up, Boots? Rick Morse. Guys, I'm running out of saliva and breath over here from all the ranting about Doc Rivers. we got Neil Deaver. we got Rick Morse. I think I'm out of energy. we got right. Devon Givens and Derek Bodner in the chat, certainly. Hello. Brian Knight, Hi. Lamont doing, Wilson, man? Coach Lowell Ricketts, who's now a regular. We love you for that, buddy. Who was the Discord joiner today? That was. I'll tell you who it wasn't. Who was it? It was Perth. Parth. 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 Parth came here. Yeah. Thank you, Parth. Thank you, Parth, for joining the Die Hard program and joining our Discord. I promise you, I will get Devon to join the Discord. I'm in. And on our way out, guys, if you could if hit that. If it's not sub- done by Thursday, I'm putting the wanted poster up. It's going <laughs> on the stream. Hey, Aaron is great. He says we are 100% USDA certified sickos for hanging around for That's the right, show. That's right, brother. Yes, Aaron. We appreciate and everybody. Aaron also just joined the Discord recently. That's more motivation to get Devon in there. If you guys can hit, hit the subscribe button. Tell the friends. Hit the bell icon so you get notifications each and every time we go live. That was a and if week. you hit the thumbs up button, I will write a strongly worded letter at Comcast and tell them what I thought <laughs> about our stream going down and intermittent today. Thank you all for being here today. We will be back after Thursday's game. Thursday. Thank you. Y'all silly like the mayor.